It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Oklahoma City Thunder fall to the Golden State Warriors on the road. What went wrong down the stretch, and where is this Thunder team at with only two games to play in the regular season? You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunder Pod. Email the show at LOThunderPod.com. On today's show, brought to you by BetterHelp, we're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder falling late to the Golden State Warriors. What went wrong down the stretch of this game? SGA puts up great numbers. But what did this team learn from a game like this? Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Get online ther- give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash LockedInNBA to get your way to being the best self you can be. So in this game, Chet Holmgren did not play. Kenny Hustle did not play. Those two guys out for the season. And then some late scratches also. Pokashevsky a late scratch with a knee contusion. Uh, Clay Thompson, a late scratch. And then... Uh, Andrew Wiggins still is not playing for Golden State yet, but looks to be uh, on his way to returning. Of course, we all have our thoughts and prayers with Wiggins' family. Uh, Lindy Waters did not play. Jerry did not play in this game. And the Thunder start out with SGA, Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, J-Dub, J-Will. Warriors start out with, with Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Anthony Lamb, Jonathan Kaminga, and Draymond Green. So what went wrong for OKC, who once led by 10 points, and Golden State did not take their first lead until the fourth quarter, and eventually saw that lead swell to 15 points. There were seven ties, three lead changes. What went wrong for OKC? Well, the Thunder, despite starting strong on the glass, they were dominated on the glass 67-47, to uh, and a lot of that comes with the 19 offensive rebounds. Now, obviously the Thunder are not playing with the center this year, but the offensive rebounds that they led up to Golden State had little to do with that. I mean, it was just the fact of, besides the four that you can attribute to Looney, the rest of the 19 came from Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, uh, Draymond Green, Gary Payton II. Like, they were just ripping the ball away and absolutely imposing their will on Oklahoma City. And the thing is, even though it started good for OKC, that's tough to keep up when you're playing so undersized uh, in the grand scheme of a season, and specifically a game, uh, which they ended up getting dominated on the glass 67 to 47. OKC did force three more turnovers uh, than Golden State, but the margin was only uh, 13 to 10. So the Thunder still turned it over 10 times. Now the Thunder lost fast break points by three. The Thunder won points in the paint and lost second chance points 30 to 19. That's of course, thanks to those 19 offensive rebounds from Golden State. And the Warriors shot 49, 42, 73. OKC shot 47, 34 and 74. Jordan Poole scored 30. Steph Curry scored 34. The thing is, Golden State forces you to play at an unreasonably high clip. They force you to play a near-perfect game, especially at home. 
forget the road woes, forget uh, where Golden State sits right now in the seedings, and even forget the fact that they still didn't have Klay Thompson or Andrew Wiggins in this game. The Thunder, the Thunder are forced to play a perfect game against Golden State, and the second youngest team in NBA history is not equipped to play a perfect game. That's that's not a bad thing. Like it's okay that they're not there yet, where they can play a perfect game, because with Golden State, they can just have these avalanches of of great scoring. And the Thunder, for a long time in this game, withstood those avalanches. As a matter of fact, even whenever Shea was not on the floor, which the Warriors threw a great punch to start the fourth quarter, SGA returned in his normal rotation and his normal rhythm to a tie game. The Thunder had a tie game with SGA returning back in his normal flow of a rotation. No matter how, what route it takes to get there, no matter how it looks to get to that point, if I told you before the game, without doing anything dramatic to Shea's minutes, he just plays his game, runs his race, as Mark would say, he will return to the game with seven minutes to go, and it will be tied. We would all sign the dotted line for that outcome if I told you that happened before the contest. And that's when Golden State went on their biggest run. And that happens because Golden State is a really good team. The youngest team in the NBA and second youngest ever in league history did not trail in the first half. They scored 79 first-half points. The problem is that offense came back down to reality in the first, you know, in the second half. They could not sustain that. A key point of that would be that Oklahoma City, including you know, on Twitter and in the notes I said, got to the line at a high clip and, and, and a fast pace at the line, and they could really just get there at will to the free throw line in the first half. They did not get calls in the second half. And they couldn't overcome Golden State's punch. And despite scoring 79 points in the first half, OKC was outscored in the second half 67 to 46. It's okay if they're not able to overcome close games, clutch time games, and playoff environments against championship pedigree players. That is perfectly okay. When you talk about the players on this roster, we're going to highlight Jalen Williams, a rookie. We're going to highlight Josh Giddy, a sophomore. We're going to highlight Jay Will, a rookie. We're going to highlight Aaron Wiggins, a second-year player. We're going to highlight Usman Jang, who played a good seven minutes, actually, a rookie. Isaiah Joe, drafted in 2020, and then was picked up off the scrap heap before the season started. Like, this roster is built and relying on such inexperience that when you are put up against a team that you have to play perfect against, they're not ready for that stage, and that's okay. But you know what? As corny as it sounds, it's the fact that this team was in that position in the first place. If this is how they're going to play when the lights get the brightest, and then they're going to add Chet Holmgren, and then they're going to add another good draft pick, and then they're going to have a boatload more draft picks to make trades with, and then they're going to have all the cap space in the world. If this is what they're going to do now, and they have all that waiting for them in the promised land, I'm okay with it. I am thrilled with what OKC is doing in this one. Now, Mark got teed up for just a disaster by the refs. Like, like that's not why they lost. This this sequence here of not letting J-Dub check into the game, it's not why they lost, but it did cost a timeout for OKC, so you kind of had to be more conservative whenever, whenever, whenever you use them on the next Golden State run. And it did cost the Thunder three points because they got the, the Golden State transition two off of a made shot because they gave the ball to Draymond so fast. Uh, you, you got the two points, then you got the technical foul from Mark. Uh, but still... That's not why they lost. It's just a, a matter of the the 
the way it looks, the optics of it, of here's the youngest team in the NBA. They stop getting calls in the second half. This disaster happens where the refs are like, yeah, yeah, that was dumb on our part. We we shouldn't have done that. The same thing happened for OKC earlier in the game where they just would not give the ball to Lou Dort. Same official, same scenario. Lou Dort begging for the ball. Would not get, give him the ball to inbound the ball. Like, this stuff is commonplace to happen against OKC, and, and that's part of not, not having experience. You don't have that relationship with these officials. These officials don't understand, ah, that's just so-and-so's game. They're going to be able to do this. Like, you don't have that reputation. Those reputation fouls, both good and bad. And so you get kind of left in the dust at that at that point. But that's not why the Thunder lost this game. The Thunder lost this game is because they are not able to play a perfect game. That's why. And against Golden State, even down Clay, even down Wiggins, you have to play perfect. And they didn't. For a long time, they did. But you can't sustain that for 48 minutes. That's what makes Golden State so tough to beat at home and so tough to beat in general. And that's why I wouldn't write off Golden State next week. Whenever you start filling out your playoff bracket, I wouldn't write off Golden State no matter what stats you want to throw out there. The bottom line is they have this scoring punch in them that can just overwhelm teams and a crowd that can overwhelm teams. Like That was a rocking crowd. And the second youngest team in NBA history played in another clutch time game. This is like their 44th or 45th clutch time game this year. That matters. That matters. That allows you to grow and to build and to learn how to handle this. How to get better. And they get off of this another test on Thursday. Look, there's no doubt that the players want to play in the postseason. And there shouldn't be any doubt left of what the organization wants. There's only two games left. They could have pulled the plug at numerous points in the year, and they didn't. So, Don't read the tea leaves. Don't try to read between the lines. Don't try to see what's not there. This team wants to be in the postseason flat out. Now, is it a disaster if they don't make it? No. But what do they want? They want to be in the postseason. So here's the thing. With that being said, you face a must-win game Thursday. After being right there against the champs, after being right there against Golden State, where you could have had this huge win on the road and truly knocked out a team. Like the Thunder could have delivered a a near-death blow to Dallas uh, had they won this game. With all that being said, you've got to put that in the rearview mirror. You've got to turn around and play in Utah against a feisty feisty jazz team, a tough place to play with the altitude and and just the tough jazz fan base and also a a tough jazz team that almost beat the Lakers uh, today. Lakers had a 10-point lead with like two minutes left, and the Jazz nearly won, took it overtime, and lost. Like, that's a tough team. You have to avoid a letdown game. You have to avoid going into that game dejected. And you're going to get a shot at that experience, at that moment, at that at that type of style of game that you otherwise wouldn't if these games were meaningless right now. If these games were totally meaningless, you would not be playing in 45 clutch time games. You would not be playing in a game on, on Thursday where you're going to have to see how this team responds. How does this team react? We know they can get up for big games. We know for games against Golden State in the Chase Center, for games against LeBron going after the scoring record, for for these big games, they can get up. They can play their best ball. Can you do it in Utah on a Thursday night with your season on the line after this devastating loss to Golden State, which, again, it was right there. With seven minutes left, SGA back on the floor, this game is tied, and Golden State goes on a Golden State run, and the game is over in a blink of an eye. How do you rebound from that? How do you not let that spiral? That's the test for OKC. We'll see what they do Thursday. But all of these experiences, no matter how they end, are good for OKC. Tomorrow, we're going to do a lot of big picture talk because I feel like we've gotten really sucked in to the everyday grind of an NBA season. Tomorrow, the off day, we'll talk about that and preview Thursday's game against Utah. So 
That's coming up. Also coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about SGA and how elite that he was. We'll talk about J-Dub and his special rookie season that continues to leave everyone speechless and so much more. But I do want to tell you right now about our good friends over at eBay Motors, folks. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to be the fit just right. So the next time that you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the garage and look for the green check knowing this part will fit into your ride or your money back because that's just like sports confidence is the name of the game. And when you shop at eBay Motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll get back in the game in no time. And all of it's this easy. It's it's so easy to bring home a win whenever you choose the right parts guaranteed and get the right parts for you in the regular fit and the right fit with the right price at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eligible items only and exclusions apply. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much. For making us your first listen every single morning, every single day, we're here for you. Talking Thunder basketball. SGA continues to be elite. 32 points, seven assists, five rebounds, six for nine from, I'm sorry, eight for nine from the from the free throw line. Two for four from three. Both threes splashed in the first quarter. 64% from the floor, 33 minutes in this one. He had that tough shot making. He had that step back three in the first. And he was back in the terms of rotation to not playing the entire first quarter. Uh, and then we saw in the fourth quarter, they didn't start with him on the court uh, in that fourth quarter, but that's just to monitor his rotation moving forward. I, I think that there were a couple plays that really stood out for SGA. The first one was he passes the ball to Josh Kitty, who shoots a three. And before the three is even in the net, SGA is celebrating like that type of uh, camaraderie, leadership, excitement, energy, whatever you want to call it, is pretty cool to see. And another one was SGA is just on an absolute heater. Like, he is playing extremely well. He's scoring extremely well and efficiently and with tough shots and just leaving the Warriors perplexed on what to do. But yet he calls J-Dub up, gives him the ball, gets out of the way, lets J-Dub go to work. Like, that unselfishness, whenever no one in the world would blame him, not on the team, not in the fan base, not in the media, not in any any sphere, would blame him if he just continued to uh, run the offense and hunt his shot and get to his spot and and take over this game. But to defer, at least for a possession, to a 21-year-old rookie who then goes, cooks a little bit, gets off a, a tough mid-range jumper and nails it, that sign of trust, that sign of confidence in your teammate can really go a long way, both in the short and long term. And really exemplifies what this team is all about. 
SGA is the all-NBA guy. He's the all-star. He's the superstar. He's the max contract player. But he is still willing to defer to other guys, to, to, to get other guys involved, and to play within a system and play within an offense. Especially on a roster where he wouldn't necessarily have to if he didn't want to. But he wants to. He wants to make the right plays. He wants to do the right things. And he wants to play this style of basketball, which I think is very encouraging for, for the future of this team especially as you add more and more pieces who you want the ball in their hands. You want the ball in Jadup's hands. You're going to want Chet Holmgren to have the ball. You're going to want, you know, likely whoever you bring in this offseason to, to have the ball a little bit. You're going to want Josh Giddy with the ball. Like you're going to want these guys with the ball, along with Shea, obviously. Shea's always going to be the biggest piece of the pie, but it's good to see his willingness to share the basketball. And then just Steve Kerr talked about it after the game. It's it's impossible to keep SGA out of the paint. He is relentless with his drives, and he can do it in so many ways. He's an elite player. And the step-back mid-range that creates so much space that makes defenders look foolish often, I genuinely do not know how to defend that. Like, I would just love what you would draw up. And I don't mean, like, X's and O's. I mean, like, a defender, someone like Lou Dort, someone, someone that you think of as the, the best defender in the NBA, to explain... In an ideal world, if I could do everything perfectly, how would I defend SGA? If we put this in a video game and I can control exactly precisely how my defender moves and I want full control and it's just best on best, what do you do to defend SGA? Because if you play him too tight, he can get past you. If you play in between, then then he really has you exposed. If you play on your heels backing up to defend the rim because he's a really good rim finisher, he just stops on a dime and pulls up the mid-range. And then he can tease the step back and get past you. He can use the step back and get it off. Like, what do you do? Like, what's the best possible way to defend SGA? And the answer is you don't. The answer is it's a lot like guessing a pitch from a great pitcher. Like, you, you're going to face a great pitcher. Your best shot is just guess what he's going to throw at you, wait on that pitch, and hopefully you get it. And defending SGA, I feel like, is a lot like that. It's just guessing. Is this time going to be a a drive at the rim? Is this time going to be a mid-range? Is this time going to be an elbow pull-up? Is this time going to be the baseline spinning jumper? Like, what's it going to be this time? You guess, and oftentimes you can guess wrong. And you might even guess right, but he adjusts like an audible. Like, you might even guess right of... He's, he's attacking downhill, he's attacking downhill, so I'm going to get on my heels and wall up at the rim. You go to do that, and then all of a sudden he just stops. Then you're just in no man's land and you're, you're in a compromised position. Or he's attacking really strong at the rim, then he slows down to a crawl once he gets there and just goes around you. Like, I genuinely would love to know from, from an actual defender of, like, what do you even try to do when you defend SGA? What is the best shell to be in whenever you defend SGA and hope for the best when he is uh, on the other side? Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara continues to be special. We'll talk about him coming up, but I think that Jalen Williams out of Arkansas deserves a lot of credit too. He's a classic beyond-the-box score type of player. He had four points in this one, three assists, five rebounds, a steal, one for three from three. He drew a charge, drank water. He obviously always draws uh, charges in these games. He... Made a play, two plays that stood out. He saved the ball from going out of bounds by leaping, soaring through the air into the third row, flings it back to J-Dub. J-Dub then pushes it one more time to Josh Giddy, who has this easy mid-range shot. So he just literally pulls two points out of thin air for OKC. He also had a play where he gets the ball swung to him. He takes a dribble in, turns, pitches it back to J-Dub, using his body to shield off defenders. J-Dub cashes a three. 
those type of plays won't necessarily make a big splash in the box score, but make a big splash in the game and in the, in the tides of the game and in the runs of these games. Like you think about if OKC doesn't have those two points that they created, like the Golden State Warriors run comes on even faster. That three-pointer he created, that Golden State run comes on even faster. He also hit a three-pointer himself, as we mentioned before. I got a steal. But overall, this is a tough matchup for Jaywood to play in uh, because of the screens, because of the way the Warriors run their offense, and because uh, of how versatile you need to be uh, to defend Golden State. But still, I think that Jaywood has played a really good role this season for for what he has been uh, for OKC. Uh, Usman Jang, sticking with the rookies real quick might have the best three-point game in the history of the NBA. Like, he only played, he only got three points in. He played seven minutes, and it was an and-one layup where he just trucks over Jordan Poole, and we're all we're all still extremely excited about that. Two assists, a rebound. The biggest thing is, in this environment, against this Warriors team, with against this crowd, with this game that means this much and has this many stakes, he did not look shell-shocked. He looked confident, and he looked, honestly, one of the more aggressive games from him at any level, G League or NBA. Uh, this season in those seven minutes of action for Usman Chang. Really liked what we saw from him. Now, coming up, let's talk about J-Dub. Let's talk Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, who had a tale of two halves, and the two important pieces off of the Thunder bench. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at FanDuel. Folks, FanDuel, it's awesome. It's where you want to be. FanDuel.com slash locked on. And it's America's number one sports book. They're giving you... Up to $1,000 back in a no-sweat first bet. It's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win by going to FanDuel.com right now because the NBA playoffs are almost here. You can download the FanDuel app or go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and you can see for yourself all the great lines that are out there right now. Today's game, it's the Mavericks and Kings. It truly matters for OKC. Mavericks are six-point favorites at home in this game. Big, big-time game to watch for in this one. You got to throw some shekels on Kings plus six just for your rooting interest, I guess, in this game. So check it out today at fanno.com slash lockdown. That's fanno.com slash lockdown. America's number one sports book. You get no sweat first bet, $1,000 back up to that if your first bet does not win. Uh, go to fanno.com slash lockdown. This lockdown podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found. Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. I want to talk about J-Dub. He continues to be special. 19 points, two assists, four rebounds, a steal, uh, two for three from three, uh, 50% from the floor, three for three from the uh, free throw line. And in this game, 
He was super aggressive, which we love to see. We've been begging for that all season from, from J-Dub. And he ran the offense extremely well. Like, this was a game where you had to play perfect, and for three quarters they did. And it was, by and large, because in those moments where you couldn't have SGA on the floor, in those moments where you were looking for offense, J-Dub ran the offense to perfection, which is big for someone who's been a starting power forward, who's played backup point guard, who's played backup center, who's played backup small forward in this league and in this for this team as a rookie. To be able to, to switch gears like that game to game, night to night, minute to minute is so impressive for a 21-year-old. And we talked about those responses. There were many moments in this game, specifically two, where J-Dub was the stopper. We talk about how when SGA's not in the game, you lose that, that guy who can go in there to stop the bleeding. There are multiple times in this game where the Warriors wanted to make that run in the first half. They wanted to make that run in the second quarter. They wanted to make that run earlier in the third quarter. But J-Dub responds with a through-the-lane floater, with an and-one around the rim, with a step-in three. Like, J-Dub responds so well. That huge and-one to spark the team. Like, J-Dub is just a special, special, special rookie. Let's talk Josh Giddy. I think that he's one of the most under-the-radar sixth overall picks in a long time. I think that when we take a step back, uh, whether it be next week or the week after, and review these guys' seasons and see just how good Josh Giddy has been this season, especially comparatively to last season, we'll be shocked because he has not gotten exactly the notoriety that he deserves for the leap that he's made. Now, 15 points, 5 assists, 6 rebounds, 1 for 5 from 3, 46% from the floor, uh, 28 minutes, had a great skip pass, had a great dump off pass to Wiggins at the rim. And I just think that that we were underrating exactly what he can do. We'll talk about him a lot this offseason. Uh, Lou Dort had a tale of two halves. Lou Dort was legitimately good at the rim in the first half. Like legitimately good. And when buckets, finishing through contact, converting at the rim just whenever he's alone, drawing fouls, he went five for eight at the free throw line. Legitimately good in the first half at the rim. He scored 17 points in this one. The issue was in the second half, he reverted back to some bad uh, attempts at the rim. And overall for the game, he went 0 for 6 from 3 and shot 40% from the floor. But you saw in the first half how much this offense opens up when Lou Dort can actually be a threat at the rim, can actually put pressure in a positive way on the rim. And eventually, you hope that the three-point shots were full. They've fallen historically throughout his entire career from the corner. You hope that you can get him more of those shots next year. And it's just tough for Lou Dort because he deserved a lot of flowers. And then in the second half, he was just not very good at all offensively. But he still had some really good defense on on Steph Curry. Steph Curry still made a ton of shots. Like, there were many threes where you could not play him any tighter or else it would have been a foul. There were some where you thought, hey, that probably should have been a foul, but they didn't call it. Like, he was really good at closing on Steph Curry, and Steph Curry was really good at making shots over him. That's just the nature of the beast. That's just how elite Steph Curry is. That has nothing to do with uh, a knock on Lou Dort. Lou Dort played really well in the defensive end, and in the first half played really well offensively, which allowed you to carry some of that momentum uh, in the first half. Off the bench, it was the two guys you would imagine, Wiggins and Isaiah Joe. Look, we're, we're running up against it, so let's talk Isaiah Joe first. Isaiah Joe is just an air fryer score. Like you've heard microwave score, he's an air fryer score. He can do it quickly, he can do it fast, he can do it in a multitude of ways, and he can just make it look good. 14 points, attacking the rim hard, two for three from three, hit one from Sacramento, he hit one on a step back, he had 
like six minutes into the first quarter, he had like four free throw attempts because he's attacking the rim so hard. He finished with five free throw attempts, five rebounds, a steal, two assists, really good game from Isaiah Joe, and a really good shooting night from him for a guy who who has struggled a little bit in March, obviously, to shoot the ball. Uh, Wiggins, truly elite off the bench. Like, he is an elite role player, great in transition, good rim finisher, good defender, versatile player, good above the break three, uh, winning impact. He is on a cheap contract. He's on a controllable contract. I'm not sure what else you would need to see other than that to to suggest that Wiggins will be in OKC for a very long time. He had a beautiful tip pass to Sarge, uh, which allowed the defense to scramble, then foul Sarge, and Sarge, of course, uh, had two free throws out of it. Two, uh, I'm sorry, 27 minutes in this game, 11 points, three rebounds, one for two from three, two for two at the line. Uh, he was really good in this one. And I, I think that with Wiggins, you just continue to see why he should be a part of the future. And I think he's a part of the future for OKC moving forward. Now, MVP this game, I'm going to go with, with SGA as the MVP of the game for OKC. I think that SGA is obviously a great player and deserves this honor for the Thunder. But coming up, we have a lot to talk about. So tomorrow's show will be all about the big picture. will be all about what this season has been in the macro versus the micro. Of course, Friday, we're going to recap the Jazz game. Monday, big show Monday, Grizzlies recap, plus did the Thunder get in? And then that changes the perception on what will happen for the rest of the week next week. So you can only preview out this far. But this is Lockdown Thunder. We're here for you every single day. So subscribe across all podcasting platforms, including on YouTube. That continues whether the season does next week or not. That continues throughout the entire offseason. So stick around on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Make sure you check out thundersintentions.com as well. Uh, check it out over there uh, for, for more Thunder content from myself and and from our team over there. And let me know in the comment section down below. Comment section down below. Before the Mavs game ends, so just make this happen right now uh, before the Mavs game even starts. Will the Thunder be playing playoff basketball next week? Let me know what you think will actually happen for OKC. Well, we're going to have all that and more for you tomorrow. And a recap tomorrow of the Mavs-Kings game, because that means so much. But until then... Be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.